The government seats a blue ribbon panel consisting of activists, the very people singing out for change in direct conflict with the law. The biggest casualty at that conference table is the truth. Fortunately, there's a voice in the darkness. Clear, true, concise, and without hesitation. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Oh my goodness. Folks, how much cloudier can it be for us from which we've got to pick and choose and figure out what the facts are every single day? More chaos, more confusion, more misrepresentation, more hatred, more anger. This is nuts, folks. It's absolutely crazy. And we got to find our spot, our way to fit in. But you know what? We can do that. We can. And we'll do it together. Thank you for coming back to Truth News Network. We have so many things to unpack today. We're actually going to look ahead a week and a day, and we have some really interesting things coming up for you next week here on TNN Live and at truthnewsnet.org. Our story that went live this morning at the website was late getting up for whatever reason or reasons. And I'm one of those people, I don't think anything just happens in a vacuum. I believe it happens in the context of how it's meant to happen. So what does that mean, Dan? What that means is the fact that it didn't go up early means there's a reason why it didn't go up early. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything differently. For some reason, technology, folks, technology, um, it kept it from going live when it normally does, which is 1.45 a.m. every morning that we publish stories. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to get a jump start on it because folks that get that overnight email that are subscribers, the email they get tomorrow morning at 1.45 a.m. is going to include a link to today's story that is already up that they missed. And of course, tomorrow's story. You'll already have today's story in the tank and you'll be uh, aware of what's going on. And let me just say this. There is a lot of disinformation And I think what happens to those of us that know there's something not right, when we look and see and listen and read, all these things were being told by our government, by the so-called experts in every field of controversy that we talk about every day here at TNN Live, it just leaves you with an unsettled feeling in your spirit. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that, folks. God gave us all common sense and the ability to discern It's whether or not we use it at all and how we use it that determines if we're going to be in the dark, if we're going to be open to the truth, if we're going to lock our minds around things that we just choose to agree because maybe the person that said it is someone we like. And there are all kinds, huge numbers of people that you interface with every day. Some of them know this. Some of them you don't recognize it. Many of them, if you listen and learn today and what we're about to talk about, you'll begin not to be suspicious. That's the wrong term. Suspicion is based primarily, normally, on fear. That's not a good thing. You don't want, we don't want you to think and look at anything and make opinions and take actions based on things initiated by fear. Suspicion 
What that does, it just opens your mind to consider maybe things are not exactly as I'm being told or what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing. And the 900-pound gorilla in the room for that, I don't think I need to tell you, COVID-19. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do. Today, we are going to start taking apart the lies that you and I have heard many of for a year and a half now about COVID-19. Now, we're not going to paint conspiracy theories. That's not what this is about. This is about long after we have been told all these things by Dr. Fauci, many other experts, our leaders in our government, the do's and don'ts, the don't you dares and you'll die stuff that we're finding every day. We get a sense, we get a feeling. That just doesn't seem right. There's something wrong with that. So here's what we're doing. We are cataloging and analyzing all of the things that we see in here at Truth News Network in our research, which is exhaustive, I got to tell you. And we're putting together a series of, of revelation stories to you that include all of these things that we have been able to verify. Included in these stories we give you in this series are links, are footnotes, are evidence, backup, information, to stories, to research, to real specialists that verify what you are going to hear and read here at Truth News Network in this regard. Let me tell you this one thing. I know this is factual. You're want you're going to want to share this with everybody you love in your life. Not to beat them up. Not to make them feel bad about what they've done regarding COVID-19. But it'll give everybody a real perspective in context of what they are living through regarding all things COVID-19 themselves right now. And as they move forward in their lives, as you and I do, having real facts on which to make decisions makes everybody feel a lot better. So let's get right to it. Today's story. It appears we're hearing lies about all things COVID-19. That's the title of this series. And today is part one. It's been exhausting since late January last year to investigate, to explore, to dig for both facts that are good and facts that are bad about everything that's part of the COVID story. Honestly, folks, in normal circumstances in which good or bad things happen at the national, international levels both, news media operations have pretty good access to information. It has seemed from the beginning, though, the very beginning of COVID-19 and our subsequent pandemic, facts, evidence, details, pros and cons of everything to do with it all have been cloaked in a mysterious, quote, off-limits room. And that off-limits room is available only to a very select few. Subsequently, Truth News Network, from the onset of this, We've been skeptical about what we've all been spoon-fed as facts provided to us by the so-called experts. And sure enough, constant changes in the facts they give to us, arguments about every part of it all 
happen daily between medical professionals from not just here in the U.S., but from around the globe and citizens of the planet. All of us have been kept in darkness. We don't know what we should believe, and we don't know who to believe. So, into the United States, right here, our so-called go-to expert was and still is Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, we're not going to launch into the multiple 180-degree changes in those absolutes that Dr. Fauci gave to us from the White House briefing room from the very beginning. Nor are we going to detail the verified lies he's been caught telling. You've heard them all, you've seen them all, you've read them all, we've talked about them here. But what we are going to do today and continue in the weeks to come and months to come if we need to is present to you the incidents, the media reports, the medical professionals and their testimonies based on medical evidence that either confirms or debunks the quote-unquote facts we've given and been given by all the experts from Dr. Fauci on down. So let me prepare you Starting right now today, you'll get information on several subjects that will anger you, frighten you, yeah, yet will clear some of the questions you have had about the information we've all been given that just didn't seem right. And it's going to be that way in these reports going forward. Please understand I can't give you a timeline or projection on when, how many, nor contents that will be included in these updates to you. There's just one way to know. But based on the initial reports and evidence we give you today, it looks like there probably are going to be many more to come. So we're going to call this series COVID-19 Evidence and Unanswered Questions. And today is part one. And it's got multiple parts in it. Suspicious airline pilot deaths at British Airways. Big tech and the corporate media are moving furiously to suppress the news that four British Airways pilots have died in recent days after getting the COVID-19 vaccine. A June 17th tweet included a photo of the four pilots, which were accompanied by condolence books. Twitter censors marked the tweet as being, quote, violation of the Twitter rules. Stop right there. Why would they do that? Four guys died. Four airline pilots died. Four airline pilots that work for British Airways died. All right after getting the COVID vaccine. The reported age of these guys was the mid-30s to 50s. Since pilots receive regular health checks, no known disease or condition that would lead to a healthy pilot suddenly dying was reported. So, in a voice recording that was posted on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, one unidentified male says he has spoken to a friend who's a British Airways pilot and explains things are getting crazy after his fellow pilots passed away. All three of those platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, have since removed the recording, citing it as, quote, false information. The recording continued. They've had the third BA pilot die in the last seven days. Third pilot dead in the last week. 
The first two guys were in their 40s and 50s. This guy, mid-30s, perfectly fit. No underlying conditions. He gets a second jab, and he's dead within days, exactly the same way with the first two. Because of this, British Airways is now in crisis talks with the government about whether to allow vaccinated pilots to fly. The issue with that, of course, is that about 80%, according to my friend in British Airways, 80 to 85% have been injected. The corporate media, big tech, and it appears even British Airways, are insisting that it is completely coincidental that four healthy pilots who reportedly received the COVID jab died within days of each other. And then in a vague June 17th Twitter post, British Airways said this, Sadly, four members of our pilot community passed away recently. Our thoughts are with their family and friends. However, there is no truth whatsoever in the claim on social media speculating that the four deaths are linked. Now, Reuters moved swiftly in an attempt to bury the story, issuing a June 17th fact check. The fact check from Reuters did nothing to counter the fact that four healthy pilots died after getting the shot, but only reported the comment in the recording which said British Airlines was in crisis talks over the pilot deaths. That's all they talked about. It said this, Reuters presented the claims to British Airways, which said they were unfounded and that no such talks were underway with the government. The spokesperson, however, confirmed the authenticity of the four condolence books as four company pilots had recently passed away. So, in other words, as we've come to understand, COVID-19 fact-checkers, they'll say something, they'll take on some issue that's controversial out there, and they won't debunk the context of the allegation if it's not going to be to the benefit of the supporters of all things COVID-19 and vaccines. We're going to keep our eyes on this. We'll get follow-up, folks. We'll get facts. But we waited to bring you that part of today's story until British Airways confirmed it happened. Here's part two of today's story. Moderna is outed for COVID-19 vaccine work, listen to this, before January 1 of 2020. A document reveals that Moderna, along with the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, that's Dr. Fauci's gig place, they agreed in December of 2019 to transfer coronavirus RNA vaccine applicants to the University of North Carolina. Signatories to the document were Dr. Ralph Barrick on December 12th of 2019, Jacqueline Quay on December 16th of 2019, both for the University of North Carolina, by the way, Dr. Amy Petrick on December 12th, 2019, and Dr. Barney Graham for Fauci's entity, NIAID. Also, Sonny Hamansu and Sean Ryan, both on December 17th of 2019, on behalf of Moderna. All signatures were made before there was any public knowledge of the coronavirus occurrence. 
as officially December 31, 2019, was when the World Health Organization learned that there were suspected cases of unknown pneumonia in Wuhan, China, and they didn't know the cause. Just a couple of weeks later, January 9th of 2020, it was only that WHO released the information that China determined the cause of this new pneumonia was, drumroll, a new coronavirus. So before the existence of a new coronavirus was known, folks, Moderna, in conjunction with the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases slash Dr. Fauci, transferred the coronavirus RNA vaccine technology to Dr. Barrick at the University of North Carolina. So let's break down those that were involved in this. And we know they were involved because they signed the letter. Moderna had the technology for a COVID-19 vaccine before the world knew of the existence of this new coronavirus. Dr. Fauci is accused of funding the Wuhan lab and gain-of-function research, which is where the new coronavirus likely came from, and at the same time participating in this deal. Fauci must have already known about the existence of the new coronavirus. Dr. Barrick. He conducted gain-of-function research in his lab at the University of North Carolina, and he collaborated, and everyone knew it was happening, with Chinese researcher Xi Jinping in conducting the same experiments in the Wuhan lab. They both got a bunch of money. wonder where they got it. Dr. Fauci, you and me, taxpayers. Moreover, as early 2018... That far back, Dr. Barrick seemed to know that there would be the next pandemic at a symposium with the name Imagining the Next Flu Pandemic and Preventing It. It was held at a University of North Carolina Education Center. There, the epidemiologist, in a very controversial presentation, talked about how pandemics are times of opportunity for people to make political, financial, and personal gains. His words, folks, his words, in 2018, Dr. Barrick was to sign a letter sent to Dr. Peter Daszak. You remember that name? That's the director of that entity that basically um, they fronted the big donation from the United States slash Dr. Fauci to the Wuhan laboratory for gain-of-function research. Barrick signed a letter that was sent to Daszak to the scientific journal The Lancet to pressure the scientific community to rule out that the new coronavirus originated in a lab. He didn't sign the letter at Daszak's request. If he signed it, it might bring attention to the fact that he was also researching gain-of-function and that the letter might lose validity due to a conflict of interest. That's according to a story published in Trending Politics. It should be noted that four close associates of Barrick did sign the letter. This new document fuels the theory, this theory. The virus left the Wuhan laboratory a long time before the Chinese Communist Party made official the existence of the outbreak of this new 
coronavirus. Part three of today's story. A Communist Party virus variant is much more lethal than first thought. So according to data released by Public Health England, PHE, on Friday, last Friday, the fatality rate from the Delta CCP, Chinese Communist Party, from that virus variant, is six times, we're told, greater among individuals, listen to this, who were fully vaccinated for two weeks or longer than those who never got a shot. Let me repeat that. This new variant that Fauci's been scaring us all with, talking about it for months now, the Public Health England, not the CDC folks, this came from England, they released that this virus variant is six times greater among individuals who were fully vaccinated for two weeks or longer than those who never even got a shot. This is reminiscent of the antibody-dependent enhancement phenomenon that has been seen for other vaccines and that has been expressed as a point of concern among many scientists for the COVID vaccines. That's according to experienced researcher Stephanie Sinef at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab. Earlier efforts with this virus, vaccines were hampered by ADE, which is that, the long word, antibody-dependent enhancement, ADE, which typically what it does, it results in increased lung illness in injected lab animals. Laboratory testing, what a novel idea. We don't do that over here anymore. We just make a political determination of what will work best. We don't test it in laboratories. We'll just go do it. What about jabbing your kids, your 12-year-olds and under, with all of the questions out there? Our CDC says, yeah, we probably need to do that. What about human laboratory testing, which we're always required, sometimes took years of testing to make sure that whatever they were going to propose that we do doesn't make people really sick, doesn't give them all kinds of problems, oh, and by the way, won't kill them. Nah, let's just go ahead and do it. If there are problems there, we'll just, we'll just take a left turn or a right turn when we figure it out. It prompted experts to advise scientists way back in 2012 to proceed with caution while developing human Chinese Communist Party virus vaccines that could cause increased lung illness. Remember, folks, COVID-19 is not the first, it's not the second, it's not the third. We've had SARS stuff going on, COVID stuff going on for more than a decade. I also suspect that massive vaccination campaigns may accelerate the rate at which the vaccine-resistant mutant strains become dominant among all of the SARS-CoV-2 strains. That's from Stephanie Sinef at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. There were 26 deaths out of 4,087 patients who were fully vaccinated two weeks or more before they tested positive for the Delta CCP virus strain. According to data released 
six days ago in a report titled SARS-CoV-2 Variants of Concern and Variants Under Investigation in England. Technical Briefing 16 is the title of the paper. This number compared to a death rate of 0.00636%, which is 6.6 times higher than the original percentage rate, or 34 deaths among 35,000 positive Delta cases among those who did not get a shot. In other words, folks, the odds are better on this big variant that Dr. Fauci's been scaring us about for months now. Your odds are better. you got a better chance of living through that variant if you don't get the shot. Six times better chance for you than somebody that got one of the three vaccinations. For Delta, a version of this virus that the PHE identifies as the dominant variant in the UK, encompassing 91% of sequence cases, both mortality rates among the unvaccinated and vaccinated were extremely low, less than 1% of all positive cases. Yet Dr. Fauci Oh, I mean, I mean, everybody, CNN, MSNBC, oh, they've been saying it for, oh, this, this strain that's taking over Europe right now, it's way, 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 way worse. you got to get the vaccination. You got. I mean, haven't you heard that now for months? It's not true. Completely, completely vaccinated individuals were hospitalized at a higher rate than unvaccinated people in the UK. 2% of vaccinated patients. You want the real numbers? 84 of 4,087. Who tested positive? Hold on. Listen to this, folks. 84 of 4,087. What's the first thing that pops out to you there? How about a really extensive lab test? Human trial testing. How about getting a big group of people and running an analysis and presenting it to medical experts around the world and to the people like you and me? You didn't hear squat about this. Have you heard anything about our CDC actually investigating, doing any kind of lab research, instituting anything like that about any of this that includes 4,087 people? 84 of 4,087 tested positive for the Delta variant were admitted to the hospital compared to just over 1% of unvaccinated ones. (laughs) According to the Public Health England, and I got to be honest with you, I've already bookmarked their their page. I'm going to look and read their stuff and I'm going to put more stock in their stuff right now, at least until and unless some things change regarding my opinion of this CDC. According to their current risk assessment, this is the European version of the CDC, for COVID-19 variations, a shocking 61% of the cases that were sequenced were the Delta form. And what does this mean? This indicates that the Delta variant, which was initially discovered over in India, it's more prevalent in the United Kingdom than the first form, which caused a spike last year. 
it was classified as a variation of concern by the WHO. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I think WHO, World Health Organization, they're on top of everything. I mean, they take that half a billion dollars that we give to them every year, the United States, and they're just doing wonders at developing, getting facts for us with which we can make good decisions about, oh, I don't know, the lives of ourselves and our kids. We are flushing half a billion dollars of taxpayer money down the commode that we're giving to the World Health Organization. They're not doing anything regarding truth. They're feeding the people that feed them. The big, high, foreign government leaders who are in the tank and they don't give a rip about anything to do with anything in the United States except this. Keep sending your money to us. It continued to see, says the WHO, significantly increased transmissibility and a growing number of countries reporting outbreaks associated with this variant. People completely vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine have more than five times lower levels of neutralizing antibodies against this variant than against other versions, according to a report published in The Lancet on Friday, two weeks ago. Now, so far, we have given you three synopsises of real data that go 180 degrees against the garbage that have been shoved down our throats. Now, let me give you number four, and we'll be done. A well-known doctor, a well-known U.S. doctor, he shared some certainty of this. You're going to love this. He is certain the actual bioweaponization of COVID-19 happened in the Wuhan laboratory. His name is Dr. Peter McCullough. Now, he's not a fly-by-night guy. He's an American professor of medicine, vice chief of internal medicine at Baylor University. And he stated this in an interview last week. The world has been exposed to a form of bioterrorism and that the repression of early Chinese Communist Party virus treatments, quote, was tightly linked to the development of a vaccine. Now, on June 11th, during a conference with Dr. Reiner Fuhlmeek, a German trial attorney, McCullough said that he believed bioterrorism had occurred in two waves, the first being the spread of the CCP virus, the second being the spread of harmful vaccines, which he claimed may have already killed up to 50,000 people here. According to Dr. McCullough, both the coronavirus and the vaccine sent the spike protein, which is the gain-of-function target of all this bioterrorism research, that the vaccine sent that spike protein to the human bodies of those who were vaccinated. He said this, We know that this is phase two of bioterrorism. We don't know who's behind it. But we know that they want a needle in every arm to inject messenger RNA or adenoviral DNA into every human being. He claimed that, warning the public about the injections. They want every human being. That's a quote. They want every human being. And if you want to follow the background of 
what he's saying here and several other places in this story. Go to the written story, truthnewsnet.org on the homepage. And these are highlighted, some of these words that are underlined, italicized, and they're in a hyperlink. You can click on that. It'll take you to the documentation, the background that includes reams of evidence backing up all this. You know, same kind of rings of evidence that Dr. Fauci gives us before he leads us on another wild goose chase. Later in this conference, Dr. McCullough expressed his concern that the experimental immunizations could cause cancer and sterilize, even sterilize young females. The vaccines may have been intended to diminish the global population, he went on to say, which, oh, when, it, when that word or that phrase comes out, everybody just immediately shuts down. Don't shut down anymore, folks. Don't shut down. I'll give you an example. The U.S. population declined last year during the pandemic. Wonder why? Just saying. Something to think about. Don't poo-paw stuff until you find facts that poo-paw stuff. As the medical establishment had done such a great job of spreading misinformation about this whole thing, Dr. McCullough admitted that he couldn't express all of that on national media. Go figure. Let me tell you this. This story, which went live today on Facebook and Twitter, I will guarantee you it's either going to have a big disclaimer over the top of it before the day's over, it's going to be blocked. Why? It contains information that has been proven. And it is proving the mainstream perspective on all this probably isn't truthful. And Dr. McCullough in this conference, he referenced the VAR system that we talk about all the time, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. He said, something you've heard here for months, their database, which is the CDC's report on their website, VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, their database only contained about 10% of all vaccine-related adverse effects. But listen to this. This is a quote from Dr. McCullough. We have now a whistleblower inside the CMS. CMS is the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services. Now what that is, that's the government entity that is created by Congress. There is no building in Washington or anywhere else that has on the roof, on a sign out front, Medicare, nor a building that says Medicaid. It's a bunch of bureaucrats appointed bureaucrats that are sitting in offices there, they contract with insurance companies, health insurance companies around the nation, to process bills from health care providers for all Medicare and Medicaid patients. In other words, they control the money, the CMS. Dr. McCullough says we've got a whistleblower there. We have two whistleblowers in the CDC. We think we have 50,000 dead Americans, 50,000. So we actually have more deaths due to the vaccine per day than certainly the viral illness by far. It's basically propagandized bioterrorism by injection. According to McCullough, the U.S. is preparing to mandate citizens to get shots. That has been expressed again and again. Governments around the nation, state and local businesses have been doing that. 
requiring employees get vaccinated. And I promise you, on the political front, they are watching all of this. They're going to try to mandate it, folks. I guarantee you. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you, this and this hard press, full attempt by the Biden administration, I mean, they scream every day, you got to get vaccinated. You're going to die. Folks, we are way on the downslope of infections even being reported from COVID-19. Deaths have plummeted. But yet, their cries to make everybody get vaccinated are increasing. So here are the million-dollar questions from Truth News Network to you. And then... A question from you to me. First, my question to you. Do you believe what you read in this story today and you just heard me share with you? Do you believe it? No, you'll have to answer that yourself. Your question to me might be this. Dan, do you believe what Truth News Network published here today? I can't answer your part of this, your question, my question to you. You're going to have to answer that, but I'll answer the question to me. Do you believe it? i got to be honest. I've checked for the factual basis on all parts, uh, all four parts of this today. From what I've read, from the war s- sources which are available for the efficacy and accuracy of all this, I believe the substance of these reports And that's the scariest part. The fact that an impartial journalist who follows leads from stories that at best are controversial or at worst true, whose results find the stories individually and collectively appear to be factual, should be breathtaking for our medical and political communities. The fact that neither the medical experts nor the politicians have weighed in on these stories. You haven't heard anybody talk about any of this. And it's in the public sector. They're talking about it all over Europe. None of our media pick it up. That should scare you if anything does. And the fact that none of this has happened makes me to believe they're probably true. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Twitter slapped their label on the first story we gave to you today when they tweeted about it. Subsequent fact-checkers have given a casual caution regarding the content. None have stated the stories are inaccurate or false. We know that if they were false, big tech would have reported to the sky their findings of fraud and regarding such sensitive story content. So let's just boil it all down to this. <laughs> I'm giggling now because I'm, I'm about to say something you've heard here dozens of times. When it quacks, when it waddles, 99 times out of 100, it's a duck. Using that basis, (laughs) our four-part story today, it looks like the duck quacked four times today. Just saying. 
I think it's true, folks. I think we don't know. I think there is sinister stuff that's going on today. There's sinister stuff that was going on in January of 2020, September of 2019, and all the way back to 2018 in preparation for what we're going through. You may ask, why are we going through it? What's their intention, their purpose? I have no idea. I'm with you on that. And we're not going to succumb to fear, folks. We're going to get through this by continuing to look and find the facts and to bring you the facts every day right here. The show is better when you're a part of it. So be a part of it. Join Dan at 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old six cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius. No delicious. No both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry. This is this is messed up. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The five-dollar toasted cheddar chalupa box is back only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Drinks excludes freezes. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10-10-10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Wow. What a way to start the show today, huh? Well, that's the kind of stuff we try to do here as much as we possibly can find. It takes a lot of work, a lot of time, but thankfully, folks, we're nothing but a bunch of factual junkies here. And research is what we're good at, so research is what we do. And we're going to keep right on doing it. Now, we talked about that uh, professional that's going to be with us next Friday here on TNN Live. Dr. Fleming. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to give you his last name. Now, for those of you that are curious, you can go Google Dr. Fleming, and there'll be a bunch of Dr. Flemings that come up. In fact, we had one right here in Northwest Louisiana that's a doctor that was also our congressional representative in the 4th District, Dr. Fleming from Minden. But it's not him. Anyway, the doctor that we're going to bring on the show live, what he brings to you, it's even a deeper dive with more information. Some of it goes even deeper about one or two of the segments we brought to you today. Dr. Fleming is his name. He'll be here before we get to him next Friday. We'll, uh, we'll publish some of the information with links that you can go to and see some of the stuff he's involved in. I spent an hour last night on his website. It's full of a treasure trove of real information. No conspiracy theories. Facts. The man owns patents for medical procedures that will blow your mind. He's one of the experts. Let me tell you what else will blow your mind. 
You know, back in 2018, we said that's when it looked like this COVID-19 pandemic concept was being put together. He came out back then and talked about it happening and gave evidence to justify it. He'll be here at about 9.30, our time central, next Friday. And uh, I asked him yesterday evening how long he was going to be able to spend with us. And he said, well, he said... uh, This is what I do, and I do it because I love people. And he said, I was on a show yesterday, live, and he said, I spent five hours on that show. Well, we're not going to go five hours next Friday because we can't. But what we are going to do before we get to Friday is he and I are going to talk again, and we're going to go through what I think those people that are part of Truth News Network, that would be you some of the things that you want to get information from him about. And we're just going to let him go. We'll ask him questions. If you have any between now and then you want me to ask him, feel free to send them to me, dan at truthnewsnet.org, and we'll make sure we put them in front of him. We want to get as much information as we can to get as much answered as we possibly can. A lot of people are getting scared about all this i got to be honest with you. Fear, in this case, is not going to do any good, so just stick it behind you. Find a way to deal with it. What's happened in the past, folks, it's happened. We're just going to have to move forward, right? And we're going to do that. We'll be okay, I promise you. But meanwhile, in conversations about what the heck is happening around the nation, there's a whole lot more going on. I guess you may have heard, late yesterday, a group of Republican and Democrats got together to announce that they've made a deal with President Biden on an infrastructure package. So they're going to meet today, sometime today, although it was said that his advisors confirmed that they had signed off on the compromise. So what is it? Well, the plan would reportedly include $579 billion in new spending. You know, we've got that much laying around Washington, an extra 580B, and that includes several ways to offset the cost of the infrastructure package. There's only one way, and that's to tax us higher, right? And then, of course, my favorite media brain surgeon who runs the White House briefing room now, Jen Psaki, here's what she said, and I'm not going to let you hear it. I'll just give you what she said. Quote, White House senior staff had two productive meetings yesterday with the bipartisan group of senators who have been negotiating about infrastructure. The group made progress towards an outline of a potential agreement, and the president has invited the group to come to the White House tomorrow to discuss this in person. So even though the plan has a backing of a bipartisan group, now they define bipartisan as if you're Democrats and you've got a some kind of legislation out there you want to get passed, Let's say you've got a room full of 20 lawmakers. If 19 are Democrats and one is a Republican, or there may be other Republicans in the room, but all the Democrats support it and only one Republican, that's bipartisanship. (laughs) Just if you get one. That's not the old definition of bipartisan. Anyway, it remains unclear to what degree Democrats and Republicans support this package and what is in it. I'm not going to give you the names. It's a pretty big group. 
But it is a combination of Republicans and Democrats. However, there are more Democrats in it than are Republicans. Mitt Romney said after this, Republicans and Democrats have come together along with the White House. We've agreed on a framework on infrastructure, and we're going to be heading to the White House tomorrow. These senators released a statement last week emphasizing that this infrastructure package would not increase Americans' taxes. Now, sit down go, go before you pass out. They actually want you and I to believe that they're going to find $579 billion. That's what this new spending package is going to be, they're telling us. $579 billion of found money somewhere to spend on infrastructure. He said, I mean, this is Mitt Romney, folks. Two things. He's a member of the U.S. Senate, former governor, ran for president and lost to Barack Obama and gave Barack and Joe their second term. He's an honest guy. He said it won't increase Americans' taxes. And so I'm going to I'm going to respond to that right now. BS. <laughs> he said we support this bipartisan framework that provides a historic investment in our nation's core infrastructure without raising taxes. We look forward to working with our Republican and Democratic colleagues to develop legislation based on this framework to address America's critical infrastructure challenges. And he wrote that. So here's how we respond to that. So it is written. So it is done. Go get a mitt. <laughs> oh my gosh. He goes down in history as the only guy that had an election completely won 30 days before the election, and he just quit campaigning, <laughs> which is what he did in 2012, and Barack Obama beat his butt for term number two. So what's the other big thing we're dealing with? There's not just one big thing. There's not two. There's not three. There's not four. We can't even count how many there are. But let's talk about Uncle Joe. He went on television yesterday, the president did. And so the purpose for him going on television, it almost looked like he went on television so he could get sleepy enough to go walk off set and take a nap because I I, I looked and watched and it was like, OMG, what's going on? He's not even trying to hide that there are cognitive issues and that he needs a, his sippy cup some warm milk so he can go take a nap. Anyway, it was about gun control. I know that shocks you. He said his strategy for crime prevention, of course, is not to hold those that are breaking the law accountable. He didn't even mention that. He did not even mention that. It's the guns. <laughs> it's the guns. And the way to stop it, listen, folks, you got to listen closely. He's given us the answer. If we want to stop all this lawlessness that's rampant across the nation, all we have to do is strengthen background checks. We've got to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines and boost community policing. Oh, my goodness. 
Can't we just get around the coffee table in the living room and hold hands and sing Kumbaya? That'll make it all go away. They're actually touting this as a plan. There are more there are more rungs on the ladder, and we'll get to that. Yesterday, he met with state and local leaders and some law enforcement folks. And they met just to talk crime prevention strategy and a surge in violence in cities across the U.S. So his attorney general, Merrick Garland, both he and Merrick, pointed to a historic rise in crime in the summertime and said that rise may not, may be, excuse me, may be more pronounced as the nation comes out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, why would that be? I don't understand the correlation there. We would hope that it wouldn't happen, that coming out of the pandemic would give people more freedom, make them feel better about themselves, get them back into normal lives, so crime would go down. These two brain surgeons think it's going to go up, and you know what they're doing? They're manufacturing excuses to CYA, cover their behinds. The White House still insists that curbing gun violence is key to tamping down a staggering search of crime across the U.S. Talk to most responsible gun owners, Biden said. They'll tell you there's no possible justification for having 100 rounds in a magazine, he said. He also took aim at an argument used by Second Amendment advocates like yours truly, that the right to self-defense needed to protect against potential government tyranny. Here's what he said. Listen to this. Those who say the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government, this is Uncle Joe talking, if you think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. And he kept going. He said, we're not changing the Constitution. We're enforcing it. He touted zero tolerance for gun dealers who willfully violate the law and claimed that 90% of illegal guns found at crime scenes were traced back to 5% of gun dealers. Now, let me get this straight. Here's the guy that put his hand on the Bible January 20th in in Washington, D.C., and he raised his other hand and he, he made an oath. He swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, to protect and defend you and me and all Americans. And part of that, big part of that, if you're going to protect somebody, you got to make sure that everybody, as best as possible, adheres to all the laws that have been legally passed by various lawmaking legislative groups around the nation on the local and the state level and by those amazing people that go to the Capitol every day. They work nine to nine, seven days a week, don't they? I'm talking about members of Congress. Yeah, right. But anyway, they're the ones that craft the laws. The president, the executive branch leader, their responsibility is to enforce all those laws that the legislative branch passed and the president at the time signed into law. That's job one for the president. 
he actually said this. We got to get rid of guns. Key to tamping down a staggering search of crime across the U.S. is to crack down on the guns. The zero tolerance policy that he's talking about for these gun dealers, it targets federally licensed firearm dealers who willfully, that's a term he used, transfer a weapon to somebody that is not supposed to own one or ignore a tracing request from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the ATF. The ATF would seek to revoke that dealer's license if they're caught after the first offense. Folks, let me ask you this. So, Chicago, and I use them because they're the most obvious, but it's it's every major city in America. Every one of them. Violence is going through the roof. Murders, all kinds of criminality, personal injury, gun crimes, yes. They're racing toward heights we've never seen before. Chicago, they've already had as many murders this year as they did last year. Um, More shootings than they did last year. Of all of those, you know the one statistic you never hear? They never give us the stats. They give us the shooters, not, not the shooters' names or anything like that, that there were shootings by shooters. And they talk about the victims of those crimes, those gun crimes, what happened, how hard it is. They never, ever tell us what the source of those guns were. And I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm not a genius. But if I was in law enforcement in Chicago and all these guns are coming through these gun dealers in Chicago... Well, you're doing background checks, right? If you're a federal firearms licensed dealer, you have to do those before you sell somebody a gun. Not only will you lose your permit to be a gun dealer, you'll go to jail. That is not the problem. Our problem is twofold, twofold only. Number one, number one, stop. The gun runners, those that are buying guns, stealing guns, bringing them from countries outside of the United States, and selling them on the streets, primarily in our big cities. None of those, none of those guns go through the federal firearms background check before they are sold to a person who went into a store, filled out that form, and waited for approval from the ATF for them to own a gun. None of these killings are happening by those people. It's criminals. They don't want to talk about the criminals that are perpetrating these crimes and their backgrounds before they got in trouble this time and got caught, if they've even been caught. They won't talk about it. Why that doesn't feed this narrative? I can tell you this. I am not a conspirator, folks. I'm not somebody that believes in all this junk. But we've watched it play out in nations like Australia, one of our sister countries that believe in freedom and democracy just like we do, a very wealthy country just like ours. Their government, they did a mandatory gun buyback. And I mean hundreds of thousands of guns were taken out of circulation. 
That should take care of the problem. According to Joe Biden, the way is to get the guns out of people's hands. Everybody's hands. Crime in Australia went up. Gun crime went up. It didn't work. Why? Criminals aren't going to turn in their guns. They're not going to be traceable because their guns don't come from gun stores. They come from the trunks of cars. (laughs) They come out of knapsacks from other criminals walking down the street making money selling stolen guns. But the president just kept going. If you willfully sell a gun to somebody who's prohibited from owning it, if you willfully fail to run a background check, if you willfully falsify a record, my message to you is this. We'll find you. And we will seek your license to sell guns. I don't even understand that last sentence. This is a quote. We'll find you and we will seek your license to sell guns. So, Joe says, we're going to go out into the highways and the byways. We're going to find these thugs that are running around with dozens of illegal guns they've stolen or bought on the black market. They're in their trunk. And we're going to look up the serial numbers of those guns they've stolen and find the dealer who sold it probably two or three years ago to somebody that bought it legally but who was robbed and it was stolen what does this boil down to? It's stupid, folks. It's insane. Guns aren't the problem. Guns are not the problem. Guns aren't the problem. The people who have and use the guns to perpetrate crimes are the problem. I can tell you one way to make it happen and make it happen quickly. Look what happened at our southern border. There was a bunch of gun crime going on down there. But for this segment, I'm not talking about gun crime. I'm talking about the willful ignoring of federal immigration laws by people and a government for eight years under Barack Obama. They watched illegals pour across the southern border. I mean, every day, growing in number. They didn't hold them accountable. They didn't enforce the law. The message went out all over Central America and around the world. In the last five months in this nation, folks, all of these hundreds of thousands of illegals that have stormed across the border, they didn't come from Mexico and El Salvador and Honduras and the Dominican Republic. They didn't. Some of them did, sure. The ones that have been caught have been traced back to 161 different countries from around the world. The National Rifle Association, who is the big villain in all this, after Biden took the the stage yesterday, they came out and here's what they said. This is a political red herring aimed at hiding the real and abysmal failure of the Biden administration. Crime rates are high because of the efforts to defund the police and a failure to prosecute career criminals. The simple fact is strict enforcement of existing laws, including gun laws, coupled with support of law enforcement and prosecutors to do their jobs, 
would result in a dramatic decrease in crime. But the president would rather play politics than make America safer. And of course, what does the Democrat in charge, what does he immediately segue to? Money. He bragged about the historic funding for crime prevention and the $350 billion for state and local governments from the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief packet. Let me just synopsize that for you. $350 billion. Wow. We're going to help them get law-breaking criminality in their communities. They're going to be able to buy whatever product, whatever machinery, whatever they need to add to their infrastructure to stop all this. They're going to have the money to do it. They all got that money. It's gone. $350 billion. State and local governments. Crime's going way down, isn't it? (laughs) It's not. It's going the other way. Why is that? That's not the problem. Money is not the problem. Democrats fix for everything is throw money at it. Throw money at it. Throw money at it. What they're not telling you when they say throw money at it is we'll hang on to a little percentage of what we throw at everybody else and we'll put it in our pockets and everybody's going to be happy. And when it doesn't work, which we know it won't work, We'll come back to you and say, we need more money to fix it. We didn't spend enough money last time. I'm making fun of it because it is ridiculous, but it is factual. That's the way they roll. They don't need any more money. They don't need any more money. Money's not the problem. Lack of money in this case is not the problem. What they need, they need law enforcement at attention. Every level across the nation, federal, state, and local, at attention. We need law enforcement, every person that's in it, that when they went to work, when they accepted their job, when they went through the application process, the testing, and were approved to do it, and they all got together and did it. What we need is every person in law enforcement to do nothing but enforce the law's that Congress, that the state legislatures, that the local law enforcement have put into law every law enforced to the fullest extent possible. Now, what does that have to do with the border stuff that you talked about? Donald Trump becomes president. What does he do? He looks at the southern border. He says, hey, we're not just going to let them keep coming in and keep, keep, keep breaking the law, immigration laws. Congress you don't like the laws? Change the laws and we'll, we'll enforce those laws. Until then, we're going to enforce the laws on the book. And we, when he handed the keys to the White House to Joe Biden, illegal immigration at the southern border was at a drip. Why? They were enforcing the law. That's number one. Number two. Number two. Stop illegal guns. Stop illegal guns. All of the other stuff about all of this is nothing. It's nothing more than a bunch of noise. Political posturing. Some way to put people out there that benignly trust and believe everything you say without even looking at facts. They bow to the God of big government in Washington, D.C. every day. Meanwhile, our babies, our kids, 
are getting caught up in this violence, this criminality that this government is benignly allowing to happen because they don't enforce the law. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. So busy, you don't have time for today's news on TV or newspaper? Never fear. TNN has your answer. Download TNN Podcast to your phone. Catch up with the latest news during your busy day. The Truth News Network. TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. Lots of ways you can bring TNN Live along with you anywhere you go. After this show today, immediately within a matter of four or five minutes, this show in MP3 format will be posted at the bottom of today's story, that one that we started the show with today. It'll be posted there. You can go click on it, listen to it right there, download, take it with you. And at any time, anybody that you talk to that you want to point them to TNN Live and they want to know how to get the show, very simply, tell them. You got an Apple iPhone? Go to Apple iPad. Excuse me. Apple Podcast, and just put in the search bar TNN Live. When they do that, a whole section will pop up TNN Live, and each daily episode of this show is right there in its entirety. They just click on it and can listen to it right there. Also, the same thing at Spotify. Same thing. Just go to the podcast page up at the top left of uh, your iPhone screen or your computer screen, there's a search bar, type in TNN Live, and you can go right to it. We're not going to talk about gun stuff anymore, but we are going to talk just one more story. I want you to hear from somebody regarding criminality and its sources. Cedric, Cedric Richmond, you may have heard the name. He's from the New Orleans area. For a long time, he was in the state legislature, and... Um, To be honest with you, he was in Congress. He was the only Democrat 
representative in Congress from Louisiana. Joe Biden picked him up as he's titled now an advisor, Cedric Richmond. Yesterday, he was on a news show, and he was asked about the defunding of police, and if it did, and if it did, what kind of impact has it made on criminality? So listen to Cedric as he kind of parrots the policy of law enforcement and criminality and stopping criminality of the Biden administration. Mr. Richmond, what do you think is the root of the cause of this spike in violence? I mean, we read through some of these cities, don't know. From the administration's perspective, why is this happening? Well, look, a bunch of reasons, I believe. But one is the proliferation of guns on the streets of America. The fact that we have let the NRA govern this country for far too long and the president is willing to take them on uh, directly. Two, we need to make sure that we're investing in our children, uh, that we're giving them summer job programs, recreation programs, education programs. So our strategy to fight crime is to prevent it from happening in the first place. And we're going to invest in police also. Well, I was going to say, I mean, to what extent do you think this is police being concerned that if they do something, I mean, the defund the police movement, you know, certainly it's it's had an impact here in Washington, D.C. Do you think that has anything to do with the rise in crime? I don't. Uh, But what I will say on that is even during the height of the defund the police during the campaign, President Biden said that he wanted to put $300 million more into community policing. Uh, We want to make sure we protect black and brown communities, all communities. And in order to do that, you have to do it with policing. But we want the policing to be constitutional and we want it to be uh, just. But at the same time, we want to protect those communities. That's why the ARP money Mayors can use the ARP money to hire police, which far too many had to lay them off during the pandemic. And we're not going to let Republicans repurpose that money and take it away from these mayors and states that can use it for crime prevention. That's horse hockey. That's all I can say about it. Um, There was no necessity for entities, municipalities to lay cops off during the pandemic because of the pandemic. They did it when they did it because of this mass movement supported in large by Democrats, including Cedric Richmond. He came out very vocal about, we need to defund police forces. We need to shift our emphasis, which those cities began to do. They defunded the cops a billion dollars by Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York. He immediately cut it from the police budget. A billion dollars, folks. That's a bunch of money. And immediately when he did it, what happened? Crime in New York and Manhattan, the boroughs, went through the roof. And cops are being attacked left and right. Why is that? Because leaders in these blue states and blue cities are sending messages to the criminals out there saying, we support you. We think the cops are being bad to you. And so they watch as when these criminals do this stuff that they do, shootings, beatings, knifing, stabbings, killing, maiming, which has gone every in every particular area of criminality has gone through the roof in these big cities. Every one of them. Every one of them. The criminals are emboldened because these governments are coming out basically telling them, hey, We're either canceling bail, we're either doing that or we're going to try to get it done, 
We're tired of you being stuck in jail when you're just being charged and you're innocent until proven guilty and you don't have the money to bail yourself out. We're letting you back out on the street and every day across America. When people, they commit crimes, they do it even in a greater number and intensity because they know they're not going to be held. There's not going to be bail. So they can, within 24 hours, be back on the street. They'll go do more criminal acts, which they do. And in some cases, they ramp it up. Let me tell you, I don't think like a criminal. I don't. I don't understand why most criminals are criminals. I really don't. Some cases, you can draw some correlatives. I mean, you can. But that's not in every case. I don't understand somebody adopting that mindset and being okay with it. But it happens. I get that. But if our leaders in politics our leaders in government, if they diminish in any way their support of the people that enforce the laws that these people pass, what is that going to do to the law enforcement people? If they know, if I take this guy downtown, if I handcuff him, if I have to subdue him because he's attacking me and my partner, We know when he gets there, he's going to file a grievance of sorts and we're going to be hauled into hearing after hearing, yada, yada, yada. This guy's going to be arrested. When I get done, they're going to let him go with no bail. He's going to be back on the street and he's next time he sees me, he's going to be emboldened because management didn't back it up. That's why, in large part, Criminality is going through the roof, and it's going to continue. Just like your kids. If your kid, if you caught your kid at age six or seven in a 7-Eleven with you stealing candy and sticking it in his pocket, if you caught him and did nothing about him doing it, what's going to happen? Next time he's going to steal. He may steal some of the same thing, but he's going to be emboldened because he got away with the crime. He's probably going to amp it up, get something a little more costly. And then it grows and grows and grows, but he's got in his mind, hey, they're not going to hold me accountable. So I'll just do it and get away with it. And I I know factually some of these bail jumpers, the people that are getting out of jail within 24 hours, not having to pay bail, they're going back on the street, they're emboldened, and they understand, hey, I can do the same thing or worse and get away with it. And oh, by the way, They're not going to hold me in jail. I can leave town. I can run. I'll go places where they'll never find me. When there's no accountability across the spectrum in our lives, folks, criminality goes rampant. And that's exactly what's happening. But Biden's got the cure. Biden's got the cure. Yesterday, he announced a comprehensive plan to combat gun violence and other violent crime. I'm not going to go through all the stats. You know the crime. The crime stuff has gone through the roof. White House spokesperson said Biden believes the surge in gun violence has affected communities across the country over the last half and a year, a year and a half is unacceptable and his administration is moving decisively to act with a whole of government approach as we enter the summer months when cities typically experience a spike in violence. 
This is a statement out of the White House after his speech yesterday. In the statement, it said the strategy is going to implement preventative measures that are proven to reduce violent crime and attack the root causes, including by addressing the flow of firearms used to commit crimes. So here are some of the steps it said. They're going to use to keep guns out of the wrong hands by establishing zero tolerance for rogue gun dealers that willfully violate the law. If they're willfully, and this is not them saying this, but I'm responding to this. Think about that. They say they're going to put in place a zero tolerance for rogue gun dealers. Why haven't they already done that? Oh, and by the way, they don't need to pass any more laws. It's illegal for a gun dealer to violate the law. <laughs> so they're they're saying now we're going to not be tolerant of rogue gun dealers that violate the law. They don't tell us why they haven't held those rogue gun dealers liable for their past violations of federal laws. Next, they're going to maximize the efficacy of the ATF resources to crack down on these rogue gun dealers. They're going to launch multi-jurisdictional firearms trafficking strike forces. Woo! Wow, why haven't they already done it? Provide the public with additional data to promote transparency and accountability and enforcement of federally licensed firearms dealer policies. Stemming the proliferation of ghost guns and modified firearms. Convening state legislators and attorney general regarding policy strategies to hold gun dealers and manufacturers accountable for their contributions to the flow of crime guns. They also said they're going to work to give law enforcement the tools and resources needed to tackle gun violence. I wonder I wonder what flipped the switch, the switch that turned on their desire and plans to stop those who break the law and hold them accountable. (laughs) If you believe any of that, let me just say this. If you believe any of that, you spend too much time in front of your television watching and listening to CNN's Don Lemon. This government's not going to do any of that. If they were going to do any of that, they would have already been doing it. That's the oath of office they all took when they signed on to represent Americans in the Biden administration. Why haven't they already done it? They have tens of billions, hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars with which to do it. They hadn't done squat. They're not going to do squat. Crime is going to continue to roll. I'm through with that today. I haven't heard from my wife. She's not in the studio. (laughs) Thank goodness. But I'm shocked I haven't gotten a text regarding my blood pressure going up. I just can't stand the political insanity of lying to the American people with impunity and thinking that everybody in America doesn't understand its lies, gross misrepresentation, hollow promises, and they're not going to do what they say they are going to do because they haven't been doing it and they've been legally required to do it every moment they've been in power. I can't figure that out, why that's allowed to happen. Can you? But we all feel better now. Who I do. The vice president 
Kamala Harris is going to make her first trip to the border as vice president. It's only been 90 days since her boss, President Biden, pointed her out and named her the southern border czar. Just got a text from Marianne. She said, I need to simmer down. Okay, I'm on to a peaceful, quiet topic now, talking about the great leadership from our vice president. She's now going to the southern border. She's going to go on Friday, tomorrow. They've confirmed it. And she's going to El Paso. And what really makes me feel good is accompanying her on this trip is Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, which he's the guy that tells us every day he's got his arms around everything and everything's cool. It's all okay. We don't have a crisis. We're just letting, we've already let about a million people into the nation since we've been in office. And it's not a crisis. It's been happening all along. We're just making sure those people that are coming in here illegally are feeling good about themselves. I wonder why she's going to El Paso. I think I figured it out. Well, what's the big deal, Dan? El Paso, that's a border city. I've been there many times. I was there, gosh, 20 years ago in the stadium. The University of Texas El Paso's football stadium is built right next to I-10, on the north side of I-10, that runs along the southern part of El Paso. And directly across from the stadium, on the other side of Interstate 10, are big fences. That's the border, right there in New Mexico. So there's a city on the other side of the fence. So I did football play-by-play and color commentary for Louisiana Tech University Football Network. And they were in the same conference, and Tech went down there. I went, I went to that stadium to do games a couple of times. At one of the games, folks, at one of the games, in the middle of the game. Now, we're in the press box on the air, and the PA announcer comes on and advises everybody to quietly leave the stands in the stadium. And the reason for it is there was gunfire from across the fence from Mexico into the University of Texas El Paso football stadium. I get it. El Paso's not a great city, and there's a lot of illegal entries into the U.S. from El Paso. But you know what doesn't come across the border there in great numbers? Illegals. They've pretty well got it figured out there. And the, the uh, Border Patrol and Customs folks, and because it's such a big city on both sides of the border, and it's right in the middle of town, they've been able to control it in greater ways and more effectively than in the epicenter of illegal immigration on our southern border. Where would that be? The Rio Grande Valley. McAllen, Texas, in that area. So you think, you know, hey, one city in Texas, another city in Texas. Do you know how far it is from El Paso to McAllen, Texas? Kamala Harris is going to El Paso because she can have cameras turned on and they can look at the border stuff. Mayorkas is going to be there. He'll be patting the vice president on the back. She'll be patting him on the back. Their trip there, and that's the only place they're going on the southern border, we're told is only going to last a couple of hours. I'll tell you why they're not going to McAllen. McAllen is where hundreds of thousands of illegals cross the border along with millions of dollars worth 
of horrible drugs that are killing Americans in great numbers. That's the epicenter of everything to do with illegal immigration. She's not going there because she doesn't want the people carrying those cameras to video her walking through the stuff that's going on there that they're trying to hide. And there's plenty of it. And in great part, they're being effective hiding it from the American people and doing so purposely on Mayorkas' orders that he gets from President Biden and Kamala Harris. Well, that's not a big deal. She wants to go to El Paso. Maybe she'll go to McAllen later. It is a big deal. You know how far it is from El Paso to McAllen, Texas? It Listen to this. It is farther, that trip, McAllen, El Paso. It's further from El Paso to McAllen than it is for Chicago, from Chicago to Washington, D.C. It's a long way. That border is long, 800 miles between those two cities. McAllen, you go way east, and then you go way south. It's a long way. That's why the illegals go there. It's a lot easier to guard and protect the border in the big city of El Paso than it is way down there in McAllen, Texas, where the Rio Grande Valley River is. The river's not over there in El Paso. It's going to be funny. I can't wait to see and hear what happens with Harris down there. We're going to take another break, but don't go away. We've got Hunter Biden news. Oh, and it's not just Hunter Biden news. It's Hunter Biden Chinese news. Wow, you don't want to miss it. Back in a moment. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at homedepot.com slash workshops. 
You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan spin-free news from the world. TNN, the Truth News Network, puts it all together for you every day at truthnewsnet.org. Inking the stuff that we uncover for you. That's our purpose, our cause, and that's what we do here at Truth News Network. We told you about that doctor, Dr. Fleming, that's going to join us next Friday, and he is going to unpeel some of the mystery regarding the faux truths that we're given regarding COVID-19, treating it, its sources, everything to do with it. And uh, we'll be telling you more about Dr. Fleming. In fact, I think what we're going to do before the show, before next Friday, we're going to give you on the website, truthnewsnet.org. We're going to post exactly who he is and give you some information about him so you can go investigate for yourself before you hear him live at TNN Live so you can maybe have a place in mind, excuse me, of understanding of who he is and how much he knows. That means a lot when you start thinking about and talking about people and what they have to say. That's an important thing. Hunter Biden. Old Hunter. Well, he's back in the news now. He's back in the news. Money, 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 money. Bohai Harvest, that's the name of a Chinese company, a private equity firm. On the stock market, it's listed as BHR, Bohai Harvest. It's a private equity firm linked to the Chinese regime, and Hunter Biden owns 10% of the company, at least he did a month ago. And that private equity firm has invested in several companies that are subject to U.S. sanctions. Now, you would think the son of the living president, serving president, wouldn't be involved in companies that were doing stuff that the United States government would sanction the companies for doing. But, of course, his last name is Biden, and he's Joe Biden's son, And Joe Biden's a president, so what the heck? Anything goes, right? (laughs) Hunter's been tied to that firm for a long time. And ever since it became public, it's created some real major ethical controversies. All the way back to 2013, Hunter Biden flew on Air Force Two with his dad. They went to Beijing to meet with the Chinese government officials. And the trip was part of an official state visit that Joe Biden was making as vice president to China in the middle of escalating tensions between the United States and China over islands in the South China Sea. Now, it's not clear exactly what transpired during the journey, but we know Hunter was there, Joe was there, and Hunter went and met with a bunch of Chinese tycoons and Chinese Communist Party leaders on quote-unquote personal business. We don't know when this happened. But 12 days, we do know this, 12 days later, after the trip was over, Hunter and his business partner signed a multi-billion dollar deal 
with the subsidiary of the state-owned Bank of China. Now, I think that's probably not a deal that somebody can get without some significant connections, especially a guy like Hunter Biden, especially about a private equity firm. I don't know if you know what private equity firms, but they're companies that put together a bunch of cash and they go out and find on behalf of the people that send them cash, they find companies that they can buy either in total or parts of, and then they can go in and help these companies increase their value. They then sell the companies they bought, and those initial investors make a lot of money. That's what a private equity firm is. So first of all, Hunter Biden had never done any private equity work until then. Secondly, he didn't know anything about China, had never been in international business, except maybe, you know, when Ukraine... <laughs> That hadn't happened yet, but it happened shortly thereafter. So why would Hunter Biden, why would he give anybody the confidence that he could really manage their money? More obvious than that is why the heck would the Chinese government greenlight a multi-billion dollar contract between a government-owned entity, a Chinese-owned entity, and Hunter Biden's company? This was the first kind of its first of its kind, this particular deal. It created this company, BHR, Bohai Harvest, as a private equity fund to invest Chinese money all over the world. Once the fund was up and running, it invested heavily in energy and defense projects. In other words, the Chinese were investing in American defense and energy entities. Does that sound a little slinky to you? Some of those investments caught the attention of some members of Congress the last couple of months, and for pretty bad reasons. Their investment in a company that was blacklisted by our government was one of the companies that he's invested in. And the reason it's blacklisted was for suspicion of helping the Chinese government violate human rights and the fund's purchase of an American firm with insight into military technology. That investment happened in 2015. So, two weeks, 12 days after this meeting happened, back in 2013, 12 days after the meeting, Hunter gets a billion and a half dollars. We were told that was the initial piece of this. Think about that, a billion, 500 millions of dollars that is the Chinese government owned, and they're investing it where? <laughs> In very suspect sectors of our economy, energy and defense. And one of those companies they invested in is blacklisted by the government. Why were they blacklisted? For helping the Chinese government violate human rights. And oh, by the way, the fund bought an American firm that has insight into military technology. As the purchase of that last company required approval by the Obama administration's Committee on Foreign Investment, the Senate Finance Committee started probing whether there was any conflict of interest in the matter. So a guy named Jerry Dunleavy of The Examiner, he confirmed two years ago 
that BHR's investments actually did happen. Hunter Biden and his company were part of it, and they invested in these controversial firms. Here's what the story said. The investment firm that Hunter Biden continues to hold a 10% stake in invested in Chinese Communist Party-linked firms in the United States that the United States has sanctioned, including one technology company accused of assisting in human rights abuse against Muslims in China, and a nuclear company that allegedly conspired to acquire our, some of our nuclear technology to benefit China's military. The Senate Finance Committee was said in 2019 to be probing the matter, but it's not clear where those inquiries have led, nor has the White House yet explained when Hunter Biden will completely divest his 10% stake in BHR, although his daddy, Joe, said that Hunter was going to do it hadn't been done as of a few weeks ago. Wow. Well, Hunter's dad, he very quietly has come out and he says he wants to slash the National Guard force size. I can't remember when this has ever been done before. Maybe it has. I just don't remember it. And I certainly don't understand what his reasoning would be for doing so. Think about it. Look around the nation. Look at everything that's happened. I mean, Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, uh, Rochester, New York, New York City, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, on and on and on. Of course, the left will say, well, none of the violence there, none of the protests that turned violent, turned into riots, all that kind of stuff. That was all initiated by a bunch of white guys, white supremacists. Mayor Bowser of Washington, D.C., oh, she wouldn't say anything, wouldn't confirm anything about any of the violence that happened there had anything to do with Black Lives Matter. Same thing in Seattle, same thing in Portland, same thing in Minneapolis. White supremacists. And the president says he wants to cut the size of the National Guard while the National Guard is still on call in Washington, D.C., surrounding the Capitol to keep it safe. And pretty much every weekend, some city around the United States is being inundated with violence and the local police forces can't handle it. President making a great decision. We got to cut the size of the National Guard. So in 2020 alone, the National Guard deployed more people, more troops than at any time since World War II. Some states had a big increase in the number of operational tempo, the volume, in other words, of crime, things that had to be protected and defended by the National Guard that they had ever had. And so they've asked for more force structure. That's according to General Daniel Hawkinson. Those decisions are made at the Secretary of the Army and Secretary of the Air Force level. Of course, like all organizations, We would like to grow if possible. But the White House's defense budget proposal that was released late last month called for an increase, very slight, in the $715 billion budget, but it would also cut military forces by about 5,500 people in the Guard, 500 of whom 
come from specific areas in the National Guard. The Army National Guard would see its force drop from 336,500 to 336,000. Air Force National Guard is going to maintain its guardsmen. They're just going across the top levels of this and just saying, we're going to cut this much, this much, this much, this much. Why would they do that? No explanation. None whatsoever. I, I just don't understand it. Well, some interesting news has come out. Uh, I, this probably won't surprise you at all either. Major League Baseball. You know what they did? They chose to be woke. <laughs> they uh, had their All-Star game scheduled to be played in Atlanta. Boy, it lit up everybody in Atlanta. They were so excited. The Braves baseball stadium is in northwest Atlanta. No, right where it is. In fact, I was I was there. In fact, we broadcast live. You'll remember a few weeks ago from Atlanta, we were just blocks away from the stadium in northwest Atlanta. Gorgeous part of town. A bunch of minority-owned businesses all around it. Everybody in Atlanta was going to really do well, especially coming out of the pandemic and all of the egregious things they had to deal with financially because of lockdowns, because of the disease itself. We stayed in a Hyatt while we were there a few weeks ago. They couldn't reopen their bar. They couldn't find a seasoned and licensed bartender to work the bar. The restaurant wasn't open there. They had very limited service in rooms. I'm talking about people that cleaned your rooms. And yet, Major League Baseball decided, because of Stacey Abrams and her pushback against the re, I guess the resetting of Georgia's election laws by the legislature to make sure there's no cheating. Also, to increase the numbers of days in which elections happen, to permanently make those drop boxes for election ballots be spread across all of Georgia, which had never been done before, and it expanded and it made legal through legislation mail-in voting. That didn't sit well with Stacey Abrams, and she called Major League Baseball and talked them into moving the All-Star game to Denver. So how did the fans react to that? Well, obviously, the Atlanta fans, the people around that stadium, the people that were going to make hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, they were hacked off. But Major League Baseball overall is struggling. Television ratings for Sunday Night Baseball, which is Major League Baseball's flagship primetime offering and ESPN's premier weekend evening broadcast, they're down a little bit from last year. How far are they down, Dan? 50%. A seven-inning Cardinals-Braves Sunday night baseball game averaged just 931,000 viewers on ESPN over the weekend. That's down 50% from the same window in 2019. Cubs and Dodgers. And the least-watched Sunday night game this year. The game aired opposite an NBA Game 7 of the playoffs. Hawks versus Sixers and partially overlap with the final round of the U.S. Open, U.S. Open Golf Tournament. So to put it in perspective just how bad it is, consider that even the no-good NBA, they saw a slight ratings increase from last year's pandemic-plague season. 
Game two of the Western Conference Finals saw a 66% increase from the same night in 2020. But the numbers are still far below what they were in 2019. The NBA should still be shipped off to China. But even the anthem-kneeling, social justice-loving NBA has had a better rating season than they had last year. Now, before anybody gets started making excuses for baseball, because last weekend's edition of Sunday Night Baseball had to share the stage with the NBA in the U.S. Open PGA Golf Tournament. Consider this. The day before that, the previous day, regional Major League Baseball action on Fox, that was the Reds and Padres or the White Sox and Astros, averaged 1.41 million. The least watched Fox telecast of the season. The window was scheduled originally to include Cardinals-Braves, but the game was postponed. Fox Sports chipped in a quarter of a million for Tigers-Angels later in the night. So MLB, Major League Baseball, isn't just tanking in primetime head-to-head against other other sports. That's interesting. You know what's going on? (laughs) Americans or hacked off about it. So you just heard the little comparison of Major League, uh, of the NBA and Major League Baseball in this. Listen to this one. Bob Costas, longtime sports commentator. I've liked him for a long time until he got into politics, and now I can't stand to listen to him. He once said that the NBA social justice messaging was alienating its fans, and he was right. Just because of what you just heard a moment ago in a comparison, let's look at some other numbers. Tuesday's Clippers-Suns NBA Western Conference Finals Game 2 had 5.2 million viewers. That was up 66% from last year's Nuggets-Lakers Game 2 in the bubble, which was that uh, bubble that was in Orlando where they all played their games but it was down a third from the comparable Blazers-Warriors game two in 2019. A 33% decline from last year's WCF game two, to be exact. That's the conference final. The NBA will, of course, focus the 66% increase from last year as the main takeaway, but it's not really all that hard to beat a bubble game that went head-to-head with Sunday night football. And the league shouldn't be forcing, uh, you know, they shouldn't be looking at it. So what is all this say? What are you bringing this up for, Dan? Very simply, I'm saying it because Americans are hacked off with all of the political stuff that's being shoved down our throats every day, all day. We're sick of it. Enough's enough. Stop playing politics and just play freaking Football. If you want to be woke, you're not going to be populated with eyeballs and butts in the seats. That's the bottom line. Folks, people don't go to a ball game. They don't buy these horribly priced, radically expensive game tickets to NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball games to go there and get a political lesson. They don't want to see you drop into a knee when the national anthem plays. If you want to do that, that's okay. They don't want to watch you do it. That's okay, too. And that's what's happening. Enough's enough. And if you just keep it up, we're going to stay at the house and watch Hallmark. 
I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates, now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan spin-free news from the world. TNN, the Truth News Network, puts it all together for you every day at truthnewsnet.org. As you heard at the start of the show, when we talked about our part one of exposing all of the craziness and the lies misrepresentations during the COVID-19 pandemic and subsequent time period. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Most of it's not really good. A Houston nurse who was fired, the reason she was fired from Methodist Hospital in Houston was because she refused to get a COVID-19 vaccination. Now, they filed a case. She linked up with a bunch of other employees because they were told the same thing. Hey, you're going to get fired if you don't get a vaccination. They say we don't want to get a vaccination. So they were fired. They filed a lawsuit. And the first judge that looked at it came back and he said Houston Methodist had the right to do it under state law. And so he did away with the lawsuit. And so this one particular nurse had a different little spin on her concern. What was her concern? Well, she already had COVID-19. She had it a year ago. And therefore, her body, from the disease that she had, had built up antibodies. She didn't need to get vaccinated. Well, I mean, the hospital didn't know that. Well, yeah, they knew she had it. And they knew that she got through it. She had been working, no problems, never tested positive again. They went ahead and lumped her into everybody else 
and they fired her. Houston Methodist confirmed that 150 employees were either fired or resigned after a judge earlier this month dismissed their lawsuit that I just told you about. Here's what she said. I had COVID last summer. I don't need the vaccine. And Methodists didn't care about that. That was not an option at all. Her name is Jennifer Bridges. She confirmed that she was fired by the company. She said in an interview that her dismissal is a betrayal of trust. We worked so hard last year, she said. I mean, we were there through thick and thin when we had no help. These people that are putting forth these rules right now for us and kicking us to the curb, they weren't there. Just another one of those things that uh, they just keep coming up and coming up and there's no answer for There's no understanding. And more and more obvious that they don't care. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being here every day. Tomorrow, Friday, last day of the week, we've got another big thing we'll be talking about tomorrow. Until then, have a great Thursday. We love you here at TNN Live. Some say that we're reckless. They say we're much too young. Tell us to stop before we Got to hold out till graduation. Try to hang on, Maxine. While the world is sleeping, we meet at Lincoln Talk about life. Hey!